You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. All right, everyone. I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm recording another one with Rosie Tran, and uh, she was very kind enough to use her equipment. And we were doing the last minute one. Sorry, I'm I've been be- I've been so late recording stuff or finding an adequate every week. Guest. <laughs> are you saying I'm not an adequate? Guest, no, no, Yoshi? you are more more than adequate. Um, so thank thanks for doing it again. I I don't even know what we're going to talk about, but um, well, we the n- number our number is always good with you and Michael. We talked well. We talked about a couple interesting things before we started getting on here. First of all, we talked about the Native American issue with Adam. Oh, but, but but before we continue, I I want to re- uh, let everyone know your podcast. Uh, oh, out of the box podcast with Rosie Tran. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And what, are you performing anyway? Uh, coming up? Uh, are you releasing this next week? Um, hopefully tonight or tomorrow. Okay, um, May 9th, I am going to be at the Ivar Theater in Hollywood recording a TV special. So you guys come out. The tickets are free. If you message me on Facebook, at Funny Rosie on Facebook, then I will give you free tickets. And we'll repeat it again before we finish. But I just don't want to put in last at the end of it where I don't, I don't want to assume. people are listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a show you have to listen carefully. I think a lot of people just put it in the background like, yeah, they're driving or... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like people who listen to podcasts all the time, they have one of those jobs that they really don't have to listen to other, others. You know what I mean? So, anyway, thanks for listening. Um, so, I'll, I want I do talk I do want to talk a little bit about my hometown a little bit at the end of it. But um, you brought a couple issues. You 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 want to talk a little bit of riots first? I do. I want to talk about the Baltimore riots for sure mm-hmm. because there's a lot of different points of view going on, and I've heard every single point of view about it so far. So. I've heard, you know, people saying that if these people are just causing problems and they're troublemakers and they need to be dealt with, you know, I've heard people saying, hey, the protests are legitimate and people should be angry about police violence, but this is not the way. I've heard other people saying this is the only way and that and then I've heard other people say that has nothing to do with the police violence. It's an undercurrent from people being frustrated, impoverished, etc. So I've heard all sorts of points of view about it. Right. Uh, what do you think? You know, I don't know who wrote that book or phrase that they say, but uh, why, why do why do black people talk so loud or scream? Because that's the only way they will be heard. Hmm. And um, it's such an uncomfortable thing to talk about because I think no matter what happened, you have a good people, there are uh, people who are protesting, and the good cops they get into the middle of it, and assholes on both sides. You know what I mean? Like like bad cops and bad protesters. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think uh, it's always like a bad cop. Incompetent cops are probably even worse. Um, well, they had a lot of specialists today on NPR, mm-hmm. and I agreed with most of what they were saying. And a lot of the advocates are just saying that, you know, the training period is too long and, and being a police officer is a very dangerous job. And a lot of them are just poorly pra- trained. But yeah. most importantly... You know, they're taught to use lethal force and they're not taught to talk or use emotional intelligence. I heard this amazing interview with an, an NPR a couple months ago when they were doing, talking about Ferguson with a police officer in Alaska. Yeah. And he was saying in that area, he actually doesn't even carry a gun with him because it's a very small community in Alaska and everyone knows him and they would be 
more threatened if he had a gun and he actually has to talk to a lot of the people domestic violence and other things and he goes up and he just talks to them and within 10-15 minutes and because it's a small community and they know the police officer yeah. a lot of people are embarrassed and they don't commit violence because they're, they would be embarrassed you know he said I'm a member of the community everyone knows me if someone tried to punch me or take me down they would be embarrassed to do so you know so I think We've lost some of that small town Mayberry thing and people don't really know they're police officers and they are scared of them. I I'm, I, I do still think police should have guns, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially that guy you were just talking in Alaska. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, if you see polar bear, what are you, <laughs> you going to do? Um, and he talked about that. He said that some of the people that he goes Hayes to. He's just not going to do it. He said some of the people that he goes to their houses, they have shotguns and he doesn't carry a gun. Right. But um, he, he was thinking about carrying a d- gun in the future, but I guess the town is so small. And sure. but he but he was talking about how because the area is so small and remote, the 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 main the main interview was about the area being so remote that um, a lot of times it takes hours and hours for him to get to certain people. Right. And and a lot so a lot of the things that he does is talking people out of their you know someone's going to kill their wife or sure. someone's going to do something, and so he has to talk to them on the phone and talk them out of doing it. And so he's learned that emotional intelligence, that social skills, where a lot of cops. You know, they'll just, you know, taser you or, or beat you at the billy club instead of just talking to find out what the problem is. It's easy for me to say because I've never worked as a police officer. So we don't we don't know day to day stress of dealing with that. And I'm sure uh, I'll get cranky, too. I, I bet. <laughs> right. Like, just imagine like doing a really you're dealing with a lot of low lives. You, you, well. If you're doing one of those customer service. I couldn't imagine I'm losing my mind. And imagine if it's police and your life is at threat. Having said that, I, I would prefer that they would resort to reasoning first. You know, like I, I, I think two, three years ago, I think I've already talked about it on the show before. In Iceland, um, a cop went to this residence where the guy was, I don't know, drunk or crazy. He had a shotgun and a gun or something, and he was threatening people. And the police officer had no choice but to use the gun to kill this person. This is the first time in Iceland that a police officer ended up shooting someone and kill. It was like a national tragedy, you know. Mm-hmm. And in that circumstance, everything I read, if I'm believing everything's true, it's justifiable. He didn't murder the person. He killed that person. But somebody threatened you, you have every right to defend yourself. But you know what I mean? Like, they're not used to doing stuff like that. Well, in, in Iceland, America, yeah. yeah, in America, it's like... We're never going to have national tragedy because police officers shutting somebody. But what I don't understand <clears> is why, why the, you know, what about shoot to injure? You know, what about shooting the person in the leg? It seems like a lot of these, uh, I guess the issue a lot of people are having is the use of deadly force being shot five, six, 10, 20 yeah. times. Do you need to shoot someone 20 times? I mean, come on. And I think that's the issue. You know, I don't have any issue with someone being violent or stupid or ignorant or drunk and getting shot in the leg or arm. And then, you know, right. getting tasered and maybe beaten with a billy club. But why are you shooting someone 20 times? It doesn't make sense. And I wish we had an expert explain, but this is something I keep hearing. Like, I guess in those circumstances, you're supposed to shoot until your gun is chambers empty. I don't know. No, I don't know the reasoning, but I don't know if that's you, true. You've heard that before? Yeah. And so I, I guess, you know, those uh, psychological tests that you take in psychology 101, they have a ink block picture yeah and you're supposed to see what it means or whatever it's like it depends on your personality i guess you see either old lady or young lady you seen that one you know yeah. Talking? yeah okay so it depends on what kind of police officer you are right <laughs> okay <laughs> if the police are telling you their main objective when they get up when they go to work is just to call, come home uh stay alive 
versus those commu- uh, cops that actually believe, like, what is the insignia for police to protect and serve? Yeah. If their number one priority is just coming home safe, then I think you have a different attitude how you approach your job, I think, you know. And where I'm from, Japan, we have so less guns, but you, if we have this thing called Koban, um, like almost like a community police. So that police is always in that uh, neighborhood, and he get to the every home, apartment, know the neighbors. New neighbors, he'll go to that place, trying to make some kind of personal relationship with somebody in the neighborhood. Um I don't think we necessarily have that over here. It's very confrontational. And like I said, um, I have police friends. And like w- when I listen to what they have to go through, like I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, uh, I'll, I'll be unpleasant to deal with too. because They have to deal with a lot of frustrating yeah, situations. But it, it does seem like if, if, if they're being trained, I don't want to say wrongly, but it, it just seems like a lot of these guys and their problem maybe it's poor training and i have so much respect for homicide detective they're like a thinking man's police mm-hmm. i think the guys who get in trouble a lot of times bad cops i, th- <laughs> I think they're just kind of dumb cops i think <laughs> i gotta agree with you on that one <laughs> because why is the um phone operator thing to be women and women cop at least ideal ones they have a common effect, you know. Something about female voice and female reasoning. I don't think women in necessarily result of violence, you know. They were just. They're, 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 I'm sure there are some female cops that are like overcompensative. I'll show you. I'll be, you know, better than male cop or whatever. But I'm, I'm, I've never been one of those insecure person. Like I have to result of violence. I mean, I've done stuff like violent things. Yeah. Yeah, but like I try to reason with them. But once. Once it gets to the point where you realize you can't reason with them, they're still doing something that they shouldn't be doing, then I don't, I don't see why you have to resort to violence. But what do you think about this backlash of, mm-hmm. of riots and other things? First of all, I think rioting is silly because you're not going to get your message across by coming off destructive and immature. I, I, I am for the peaceful protesting, but there's you know 5% out of 95% that are rioting. Unfortunately, the media is focusing only on the violence and the rioting and the, the chaos and the yeah. looting. And I don't like that either. I don't like that aspect of the media at all. Well, I mean, you're from New Orleans, so you know, you, you saw what happened to your community. I did. And I was there when, when Hurricane Katrina happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw the media twist that. And I saw the media twist that to a level that was very, very frustrating as someone who was physically there because we were watching CNN at my aunt's house where we evacuated about an hour and a half away. And what they were showing on the news was not matching what was going on at all in reality. And what was going on in reality was that a lot of people were were trapped in the city and they were breaking they were breaking into businesses, but they were trying to get supplies. Yeah, and it's and that's not looting. <laughs> but it's it's interesting when 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 the white people are doing, it, they were saying they're foraging for food. But when black people are doing this, and they're it's looting, you know. Yeah, so that was irritating. And then also, you know, um, when I saw the footage of Mayor Nagin on CNN, they made him seem very desperate and and crazy. But when I was locally listening to, uh, we were listening to a local radio station. What was really going on was that George Bush and his um, and FEMA had, you know, had an answered several calls. 
uh, Senator Mary Landrieu actually drove through the night to Washington, D.C. and knocked on the president of FEMA's door, begging him to come down. Sure. They didn't send help for a week and a half. So on CNN, they're showing Ray Nagin crying and, and saying all this other stuff. And they're saying, well, he's a mayor. He's lost his composure. He's not doing a very good job. Yet, as being someone who is also trapped in the city, I was thinking he's doing a great job. He's been calling people all through the night. He's sure. literally, you know, May- Mayor, Land- uh, like I said, um, not Mayor Landrieu, that's her brother who's the current mayor. Uh, Senator Landrieu literally drove her own car through the night because nobody in Washington would listen. So what I was seeing on the ground floor was that they were doing a great job, but what America was being shown through the media was that they were desperate, they didn't know what they were doing, they were incompetent, and yeah. that's not what happened at all. And this kind of relates to, but I don't remember the guy who was in, in, in charge of FEMA at the time. But uh, yes, he was actually, I think his name was, I think his name was Michael Brown. I can't remember his... I know it was Michael something, but he was actually a, a frat, but, frat buddy of George Bush's in college. Right, and I, I don't think he was most qualified. You know, Remember that shooting in Oklahoma City, I don't know, about a month ago? 72-year-old guy shot this black guy, and he thought he was using taser, and he ended up shooting that guy. Mm-hmm. But he was basically like the donor of that city, and I think they did some checkup, and he didn't have adequate training or whatnot. Uh-huh. So, I don't know why a 70-year-old guy want to be a wannabe cop. (laughs) To live out his glory days. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm sure Freud or somebody amazing will say, you know, the riots are basically the language of uh, frustrating or something. I mean, Martin Luther King, I I wish I could remember the quote, but he did say something about riots are basically, it's the language of the oppressed. Unheard or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I I could kind of see that, but... In the long run, I think you're absolutely right because people who don't live in this country outside of the rest of the world, all they see is black people during riots. And and they have a negative stereotype of them, right? A negative stereotype. And if if I was in that circumstance, who knows, I might have done the same thing, but I, I don't know, you know. Uh, only thing I could say is where I was born in Japan, even with the earthquake and tsunami and the disaster that hit in Japan. No Japanese rioted. No, no. They just, it just... It just you have a the, very funny bit about that. But it just it just doesn't happen, you know. And um I I I it's such a conflicting feeling cuz at one hand I am I'm all for free market. I don't like getting overly taxed, but I think there are certain groups of people that are helpless and I think there should be help and there should be just enough help that they don't abuse it. I don't like I don't think most people want to be poor, but I, I, it's just crazy that they knew Almost a week or five days apart, that storm's going to hit New Orleans, and they just stay because they're not—they're not stupid, irrational people. They really didn't have an option, you know. But not just that. I don't think you know? people understand the the politics of it. We stayed. We actually didn't leave till about five hours before, and it's because it's like living in Florida. There are storms every summer, and there's not just one storm. There's multiple storms. Yeah. If you were to get up and leave every single storm, you would never, you know, me and my family, my, we were there. I, I was living in L.A., but I happened to be home visiting my family during that time. And, you know, my mom said, it oh. It didn't damage your home, did they? It didn't. Uh, my it mo- did? It didn't. Okay. My mom said, oh, maybe we should leave. And I, we we have been through, I think, 10 or 12 storms. We never left. We've never left. Because you, when, like I said. If, Is it's your just, mom considered one of the storms? <laughs> Thanks, Yoshi. <laughs> because just like someone who lives in Miami, yeah. there's so many storms you just can't leave for every single one. Sure. So we usually didn't leave, and and at that. But wasn't this? But this one, didn't they say it was like significant, and they had a pretty good. 
idea that this is going to be a really bad one? Yes and no. Uh, towards the beginning of the storm, it was only a th- category three. At the highest is like a five or six, I think. And it was a three. So it was coming towards us, but it was just it was just a three. It didn't pick up momentum till the end, yeah. number one. And number two, uh, I think for, in my personal life, I've been in four or five storms where they said, oh, this is a big one. It's heading straight for New Orleans. And then last minute, it turns towards Texas right. or turns towards Florida or even turns up the coast and goes up to New York. So, um, you know, when you hear it, 10 15 times you just kind of ignore it not that you're stupid you know but you just get it's like you know every they then because the news they tend to dramatize things so after a while you just don't take those things seriously and you know my family were middle class and we're not poor we had the means to leave what did it hit the worst in new orleans it It actually hit mississippi the worst Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, the reason the the damage was so bad in New Orleans was not because of the storm. It was actually because the levee broke. Right. Because of poor engineering. Yeah. And they were saying that the next place that could have similar experience like New Orleans is um, Sacramento. Because the way the whole area is like... Is shaped. Shaped like New Orleans, they were saying. Which is... And I mean, you know, it can happen anywhere. It happens. Superstorm super Sandy happened sure. in, in New Jersey. So, you know, because I always hear this stupid joke every single year from comedians saying, oh, well, you know, after you get hit by Twitter, why don't you just leave? Because I hear, I, and I hear people, oh, why don't people just leave Florida? You're not going to leave because it can happen. In, you know, California, we have earthquakes. Sure. It can happen anywhere. Japan, there's earthquakes and, and tsunamis and other things. You can't just move away from fear of some. Hold on a second. For some possible. Yeah you know weather that could happen weather happens all the time yeah so um i i I was luckily i missed you know you were there for the tsunami no no i I missed the riots in like la like i I literally moved like four or five months before that right before yeah and i I feel fat for city of you know all the dumb jokes about oh look at the wire season six is on right now you know (laughs) know, stuff like that I've heard a lot of bad jokes on Twitter and other things. <laughs> but I, I wasn't really paying attention because I don't have a cable in my place and I don't I haven't been really looking at paper, but um yeah, it's I I I don't know I don't know what's the solution. I I think they're frustrated. This is gonna put the cops even more vigilant, you know. Like when you point a finger at somebody, even if they're especially when they're wrong, pointing finger, they get more defensive, you know. Yeah. And I I don't know what's the solution because or they do that too with politics. If you call a politician out, usually on something they've done wrong, they get even more, um, yeah. not defensive, but, uh, you know, they deny it even more. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that's a big part of our society is a lot of denial. And let's be honest, in the ghetto, there's some of the black kids, some of the, some of the black, black people, there are some bad ones, right? <laughs> like they're really looking, exploit the situation, robbing and things like that. And at the same, and so the community have to admit there's like a bad people, but as the cops, they have unions. They, have, you know, be honest. Like you do have bad cops or incompetent ones that creating problem for you guys. I I've got pulled over. It's never fun, but I met plenty of cops that like they're really good at what they do. They really care about people. They're being categorized with the other shitty ones, you know. And what it's like, it's got to be frustrating on both sides. It's just funny because, you know, every time this happened, and it's happening a lot, it's happened, what, three or four times this year already with mm-hmm. the, the police um, brutality. I think about that joke that you do, Yoshi, because every single time I hear, well, the, the gentleman, you know, ran away for some unknown reason. And then I just think about your joke. You know, didn't you see the video? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are they running? Don't run. You know, one one of them in um, one of the gentlemen 
that got recently killed. I can't remember his name, but he ran away because he owed child support. See, that one I was going to mention, um, I didn't know, but the way our system set up, I could kind of understand why he ran away. Okay, because, tell me. I mean, if, if you owe child support, you could get arrested. But if you get arrested, you're going to lose a job. If you lose a job, you can't pay child support. It's almost like a Charles Dickens novels where you owe money, and, and believe me, I owe money too, but I, my, my kind of debt is not something you could go to jail for. So these guys, they might they might have to re-examine, like, he ran away not to the show, just break the police. He just thought there was a, a warrant or something like that, you know, and um, he shouldn't have run. But, but uh, you know, he so he he owed the child support and he ran and ended up getting shot dead. But he died over eight grand, six thousand. But it's like, don't I don't know. I as as corrupt. I've had, you know, corrupt police officials or police officers harassing me and other things like that. And you know, it's notorious for that, right? They're, they're, <laughs> they're, no, seriously, they're I mean, pretty bad. They're pretty. I remember friends getting pulled over in high school with weed and marijuana and the cop. I remember one police officer, you know, taking the kids marijuana and just saying, okay, you know, and just taking it for himself yeah. <laughs> and just letting the kid go <laughs> and, and other things like that. And a lot of them are very corrupt for bribes and other things like that. It's an institutional problem. Like, I mean, yeah, she, city of Chicago, uh, New Orleans, it's one of the cities you hear all the time, like corruption, like it's so prevalent, like people joke about it. You know, when people say that the city hall corruption in Chicago, nobody doesn't even argue. Even people who are politi- politicians in Chicago don't argue. Like, yeah, what about it? I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's, you know what I mean? So, and what, what was so disappointing, the whole notion of to serve and protect, that shit went down the toilet because how many cops just quit that day in New Orleans? They disappeared. Remember that? I they mean, did. They did. And that was one of the issues. And that was one of the frustrations <clears throat> when, when I saw Mayor Negan on CNN and, and my friends on the West Coast were were emailing me, texting me, calling me and say, oh, how could he say this? How could he say that? And basically insulting him. This is a man. And, you know, he did other things afterwards that I didn't agree with. But this is a man during the crisis that half of his cabinet members walked off the job. Sure. And many police officers walked off the job as well and just abandoned him. Like, what are you going to do? You're the mayor of the city. Your cabinet members drive to Houston and say, you know, F you. Yeah. I'm not going to deal with this. And then the police officers are there doing their job and they just, they said, you know, screw this. I'm not doing this. Yeah. So many police officers walked off the job during Katrina. So I don't know what's the solution. Like I look at, you know, Lee Kuan Yee. Am I saying his name right? <laughs> he was a dictator of, um, benevolent dictator of Singapore. But it's interesting when you look at Singapore, if, if you have a, like whatever the foreign ministry or economic and financial minister, I mean, a lot of those guys make million dollars a year. They pay them a lot. It's to prevent corruptions, and 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 when you pay a lot of money, you get highly qualified people. You know, like when you look at Chinese government too, which is ironic. It's a Chinese. It's a communist system technically, but they have a lot of uh, math and science technocrat. You know, like a lot of the politician states are like lawyers and stuff like that. You know, but mm-hmm. you have these competent guys. You know, places like Singapore, even in China. The mandarins, you know, the high official, that's the color of the dress that they wore. But um, they're not getting paid. You're not getting the best. So they have to take bribes. <laughs> it's it's kind of understood, you know. Like, you want shit done in Chicago. It's not a joke. I mean, you know, I don't know if you ever read anything by Mike Royko. He's the closest thing that I ever had to someone I look up as a hero, you know. 
someone who wrote humorously to defend every man working class in Chicago. His battle with uh, Mayor Daley was legendary. That's the same mayor who was later kidnapped by a mob and God knows what they did to him. But um, yeah, it's... I like the country, of course. You know, things are getting better. But uh, right, you know, it's... it's um, yeah, you you hate to. I'm a, I'm I'm a middle aged man, so I I don't like that either. <laughs> I I understand the cause, and I'm very passionate about the cause. I'm I, trying to be fair to, every, and fair, I understand mm-hmm. people are frustrated. Yeah, but I don't like destruction of private and public property. I don't think that that's productive. No. I do not think destruction of property is productive. And in some cases, you're destroying property that may belong to some of your neighbors. Right. You know, so you're just hurting your neighbors. So I don't like that I am, you know, all for peaceful protesting. But also there's other ways in this day and age um, to get your message across petitions. I know with the whole Native American thing with Adam Sandler, a lot of people are threatening to cancel their Netflix. So they're trying to make a difference financially by threatening financially. So there's other ways that you can make a big difference. And and it's happened. You know, there's been a lot of people um, who have done Internet campaigns that and and made change happen. Like today, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but like even today when I was looking at my Twitter account, Ty Barnett, Michael E. Winfield, funny guys, you know, two funny black American comedians, and they were saying like they do, absolutely do not condone violence and they don't like riots. But to, to present like they're just like this group of people acting like animals and, and being violent for no reason, that's unfair too, you know? Yes, that's very unfair. It's very unfair because I think there's always been police misconduct it's just we didn't have any ways to protect yourself or present that you know and thank god for little cell phone phone cameras you know like 1984 we were worried about big brothers well the government is worried about the little brothers (laughs) everyone with the cell phone you know what i mean like that that shoot in north carolina the guy we were talking about run away he didn't want to pay child support and it got caught on camera yeah and according to this police i don't remember the guy's name but according to the way what happened when he, when when they interviewed him? It was completely different from what the video said, and I, you know. Um, but even with video testimony, you know, that's something that I'll never understand. Is is people, you know, in the court of law? Even they'll they'll show certain video footages, and this is what I I just don't get it. And four or five different people can interpret the video completely differently. Sure. I just don't understand that how you can see the same image. And one person, you know, sometimes they show those videos and one person... Well, you could be racist. <laughs> well, one person's seeing the video as the girl's getting raped. The other person's seeing the video as the girl's not getting raped. You know what I'm talking about? That's that's the uh, um, um, Bill Colvin's movie. He, he made a documentary about... I, I just don't get it. Like you, It's the same footage. Yeah, it was interesting because if you... I, I forgot the name of the movie, but it was basically 10, 12 years ago in Miami, I think. A stripper went to this house and like frat boys and they did dance and he she ended up supposedly having sex with one or two allegedly guys. <laughs> but there, there but there was a clip and it was interesting like depends on who watched it they had a different interpretation of what happened right so um and that and that's having footage so and, but but the one in North Carolina guy shooting when the guy was running away from I saw that footage that, that, that looks pretty blatant and I don't, I think he's in trouble and. Even the mother of the police officer say, "I don't believe it." Even though she refused to look at it because mm-hmm. that it, it it's this is not going to go very well for him. I don't think you know. Yeah, and who's um, placing the weapon or placing a weapon next to the body? Yeah, and uh, n- none of it's. I mean, 
without it, he would have gone continue on and did the same shit over and over again, you know. So I I just hope that it this sounds really cynical, but maybe this is the only way unless there's some systematic change in the way they do the business, which is better training. Uh, if people, if the police know that if they're going to be held accountable, then they're going to change behavior. But well, until, that's why they're uh, they're talking about the body cameras. Yeah, they're talking about body cameras and they're talking about police giving testimony. They said, I guess Oakland Police Department does a really good job of it. Yeah, and they have body cameras. And anytime there's investigations like that, the police have the police officer has to give his his sworn testimony before he's able to view the footage. Sure. Because I guess there was cases of people giving sworn testimony and changing their story after seeing sure. the footage. Did you listen to that podcast, Serial? About- I did, and I was going to talk about that because they talk about the in Serial about people giving different eyewitness testimony and people having, even within the same um, group, having memory loss. Right, and wasn't that in Maryland too? I think this that, that Serial story takes in Maryland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like memory loss. But it, it, you know what was interesting? Maybe it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but when the detectives are interviewing uh, witness, they talk to him for two, three hours. Then they start recording so that two to three hours when they were talking to him, they could have just, uh, you know, trained him how to talk. You know what I mean? Like, they were talking about Oh, two yeah, th- yeah, yeah. And also... It's you illegal know, to do that now, I think. And that also goes in, in effect with torture because I just, I just, I know we've talked about torture and I just saw a movie where... S- stop talking about your dad. <laughs> where torture was used. And, um, you know, a lot of times there's torture techniques or different, you know, um, interrogation techniques and they've been proven they don't work. And so sometimes you threaten people oh, you mean, with certain you mean, things. You mean torture? It, it is. They've done studies on different. Um, remember, there was that CIA uh, report that came out on torture, and they fo- they followed the leads that were given during torture, and they found that most of them were bad, and that people during torture will give any answer just to stop being tortured. Right. I th- I think people who support torture and and my friend Ava Warner wrote uh, made a documentary called um, Taxi to Dark Side with Alex uh, Gibney, and they won the Oscar. And um, a lot of time, people who support torture, it's it's the guy. It's usually, usually, somewhat overweight white guys. <laughs> they watch Fox, <laughs> and they watch a lot of Twenty Four. You know, like Twenty Four, and it's always that nuclear bomb situation. Like, <laughs> okay, if it's nuclear bomb situation, and I'm in a city with nuclear bomb, it's gonna go off. Then you don't have to legalize torture. I'm gonna torture that guy because. It, I'm assuming if 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 it explodes, I'm going to be dead anyway. <laughs> Isn't that a moot point? You know what I mean? Like it's always like it's people watch too much TV and movies where you know, oh my god, bomb's going to go off. We just got to click, and almost like two seconds it blows up. They click the right, you know, they cut the they right cut the wire, cord, right? yeah, the white you know, wire like, or the red one. <laughs> enough already. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't think torture. I don't. Th- I don't. Th- I've read enough of it, and I've never tortured anyone. Um, I don't think. I. I think. It leads. To I don't false think it's. Leads. A, yeah. It, it. I don't think it's very effective. It in, 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 yeah. in real world, you know, a lot of a lot of people see espionage like they look like uh, Jack Bowers <laughs> or James Bond, but the reality is, uh, with those spy stuff and intelligence gathering. Um, Manhunt was a really good documentary. It's based on the book by Peter Bergen. And Peter Bergen is a guy in charge of um, national security in CNN. And quite, it's, an inter- it's interesting. A lot of guys who go like out, f- out of field investigation and, and, and intelligence gathering, 
okay, maybe they they try to be like little badass or something, but <laughs> but most of the critical research were done by women at the CIA, a group of women who wouldn't give me a lot of credit or respect, but they they these are the ones who were going after Bin Laden, you know, and. Um, I, I, they talked about that in Afghanistan mm-hmm. that there was a special group of female soldiers that went out because um, a lot in Afghanistan the women and the men are separate. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And they were saying that women, the women family members, actually had a lot of intelligence information because obviously they know what's going on in the community. Sure. And so, but w- the women would not talk to the male soldiers, so they had to develop a, a group of female rangers to go out in the field, American female rangers, to go and speak to the women because the women had a lot of intelligence information. They know where their brothers are. They know where their husbands are. Sure. They know what's going on in the community. And that, you know... I think th- it's easier to reason with them, too. It is. Yeah. And so to think that women have no place in that type of world is ridiculous. So, you know, even... Uh, it was a Syriana where um, George Clooney... Was um, portraying? God damn it! What's his name? I can't remember the guy. I saw Syriana, but I, I didn't know what you're talking. No, about. Bob. I can't remember his last name, but he he was literally playing. He was a pudgy CIA agent, you know, intelligence officers. Um, so I I think I think we just have a warp idea of when people are actually doing. It's it's real. It's good. done Hollywood style, yeah. and people get you know these ideas in their head. Yeah. And torture is not only is morally questionable, and um, it's um, I, it's it's really is ineffective. I think a lot of times. Yeah, you know? it leads to false leads. It leads to people just saying whatever to stop being tortured. Yeah, and I, d- I just don't think we shouldn't legalize it. And um, and if there is this crazy scenario where it's like a nuclear bomb, well, <laughs> if it's gonna blow up, what fucking difference does it make at that point? You know, but but there have to be a lot of dialogue for things to get better like one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you about my home osaka japan is because within a two and a half i mean if if, if a place is two and a half miles away i guess that's technically not my neighborhood right that's a bit far to be a considered two and a half yes especially in a, a condensed place like japan yeah so so it wasn't quite my neighborhood but two and a half miles not that far but it's 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 um it's considered probably one of the worst place in japan i guess it's um it's called Nishinara, and Osaka have twenty four wards. I don't I don't know what wards mean. People, you know, different places use different words for like, uh, like in Switzerland, it's called Canton. In uh, uh, we have wards in New Orleans too, actually, mm-hmm. but I think they're neighborhoods or or districts. Dist- yeah, yeah, districts. So Osaka is divided for twenty four different parts. Nishinara is like one of the. It, it is the worst place and one of the worst places in Japan. I guess it has the biggest. In, uh, in camp, crime. in camp of uh, homeless people. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I, I didn't think it was big deal because in that neighborhood, there's a place called Tobita where home after home, there's like a front doors open and there's just prostitutes sitting there, like a, like a little doll with an old lady sitting next to her. And they call that technically restaurants for loophole. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to fuck those prostitutes, you know, you talk to the old lady. You what know. is the old lady? The pimp? Yeah, she negotiate with the customers, you know. But why but, do they use old lady? I mean, that's how the loophole. I mean, that's how it works. Like, they, there's the owner of the restaurant, old lady. Okay. <laughs> it's literally like you open the front door. There's a the doors open. It's almost look like a red light district in Amsterdam, and they have. There's a lot of canals in my neighborhood too, so it's really strange when I go to Amsterdam. It kind of feels like home, but 
you know, I, I grew up in that neighborhood not thinking big deal about prostitutes and things like that. But Nishinari is very interesting because they've had riots there, you know. And, like, I think I missed it. I never really... I don't think I was ever there when they had riots. They have had riots, like, even recently as four or five years ago. But I think one of the guy. This is like the one of the big ones, like 67, 60, I can't remember. But I guess the riot started in Japan, in that neighborhood. Something to do with the billing problem at the restaurant. There was a fight, and then the cop beat up one of the guys. And next thing you know, it's the whole area just fucking burned down. And this is this is Japan. A lot of people don't know about it, you know. But that was only two and a half miles from where I'm at. And, and it's also one of the few areas where you don't have to have IDs. To get into anywhere. Yeah, if, even if you want to go hotel room, you don't have to have ID. So why is this significant? Because criminals come. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Um, if if you're on the run, it's such a perfect place. You don't have to identify who you are in a random place. You know, they even found a serial killer there four or five years ago. They, they were looking for him. They even had like Japanese Red Army. What's the Red Army? You know, they're they're is literally they like the mafia. No, they're just the communist organization, Marxist group in Japan, oh, okay. and they were finding that. You know, industrial Japan, whatnot, but they have people like that hiding those. So that was the name. You know, that, that that's only two miles from where I lived, and um, which is surprising because everyone thinks Japan is safe, but they've had probably half a dozen or maybe close to ten riots uh, in that area. You know, and uh, it's condition. You know, it's one of the few places they have diseases like tuberculosis and chlorias and shit like that. You know, and this is not modern day Japan, so. Um, I would hate to be in that situation, but you, we, you know, we pay tax to give minimum amount of safety and fairness and help people. If it gets to the point when you don't take care of it, then uh, by not providing resource for that, then you're going to end up riots. You know, so we so, have to make. So, a, what do you think is the source of the riots in that area in Osaka? Um, no, I was asking you, you know, so what do you think is the, the cause of these riots? So you're in, talking about riots in Japan. Is it a similar thing as what's causing the riots here? Is it the same issues? I, I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert, so I don't, I don't know. But you know the two cultures, right? You know American culture, you know Japanese but, but, culture. But, 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 Are, is it completely different reasons or do you think that there's an undercurrent like that Martin Luther King? Junior well, Pope. obviously they're they're mistreated and then they're frustrated, and it just seems like when you have a riot, it forced the government to do something about it. You know, so you do think that it stems from people being frustrated about something in their lives? Sure, and most of the homeless people and people in that situation, they probably don't vote for. I think politician reacts to you know, politician like anyone else uh, reacts to incentive. So if these people don't support you. I don't know. I guess maybe they just they're in periphery of society. They don't they, they don't matter. I guess, but a lot of people don't go to the Nishinari area. Now, I I never had a fear. Uh, I was used to growing up in like a shitty neighborhood, but um, um, these are like homeless. Very very few of them actually have jobs and living off the handout from the government, but. Um, if the police mistreat you or, you know, one thing could just lead up, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's usually with the one small incident, a cop pulling somebody over in a watch and they're killing the person or... And it sets things off, right? Yeah. Big, big, big. And um, I think if there's a trust between the police and community, stuff like this happen, I think 
I think you could still keep peace in your neighborhood. But if if it's a recurring thing, then it's just a matter of time. And it's just crazy to me. Like, this shit happened. Like, I don't think this is the last riots we're going to have in the States, you know. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, I watch footage from some documentaries from mm -hmm. the 60s. And I feel like this is a new 1960s. There's been a lot of, you know, upheaval and things going on right now that are very similar to the 60s. Does it seem like we have more or because we have a way to record, put in the Internet and hear about um, it? Well, I think that definitely there's less um, drama than mm -hmm. went on in the 60s and that it's more uh, sensationalized. No. So I think that is true. But it seems like, you know, there is a lot of protesting. I think things are escalated because of the fact that Internet and Twitter and people ideas are escalated. Sure. So it's different. It's the same, but it's different. Like for me. Sure, you know, last couple of years there's been like chokehold by cop in Southern California. I think it was Orange County. Was wasn't there like a homeless guy getting killed down in like Yes, there was, and he was mentally ill. Mentally ill. That's another issue, isn't it? Like we 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 closed down a lot of the mental institute, and Ronald Reagan said, "Oh no, they really want to be out in the streets." <laughs> <laughs> they cut funding for men. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's really not that. It's not funny actually, but. But Ronald Reagan said, like, oh, no, they love being in the frozen snow. You know, they want to be outside being homeless. But um, I, I think we, I think there should be a resource to put, providing a facility for people like that and the homeless. Um, on one hand, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Asian, so I'm obviously I'm greedy. <laughs> so you want to make as much, much money as you can. But there's some point you have to say, there's got to be some resource to minimize something like this, you know, it, well, it, because it costs so much when you deal with riots and stuff. It makes no sense. It does. But I mean, if, OK, let's address mental illness first. I think mm -hmm. with mental illness, um, obviously, there's extreme mental illness where people can't take care of themselves and they're in the streets or they're mm -hmm. addicted to drugs or other things like that. But I, I just don't think we do a very good special job, especially in America, of taking care of our uh, very vulnerable populations. Yeah. You know, I've had I've had friends come from overseas, you know, and they have a stereotype of America because they see the Hollywood version on TV and they get here and they're like, wow, you know, it's it's different than what I thought. Oh, for sure. And we have one of the biggest po homeless population because it's warm water, uh, warm weather, you know, <laughs> no, warm water, warm weather. Like downtown L.A., it's it's like it's it looks like a scene from Walking Dead, you know, right outside of Little Tokyo, you know. There's been two occasions I thought I was going to hit them because they're just walking in the middle of the night, you know, and you see guys fighting in the streets and shit like that. Um, but not just that, you know, that mm -hmm. is bad. That for sure is bad. But when you go to places like Santa Monica or Beverly Hills and then you see the extreme poverty next to the extreme wealth, that juxtaposition is very jarring to mm -hmm. me, especially in Santa Monica. You go to Santa Monica, it's a very, very beautiful, very wealthy city. And yet you see people who are homeless, mentally ill, and, and there's a lot of homeless in Santa Monica, actually. And it's very, it kind of shakes you when you look at the comparison. Well, you know, I've been dry, I've been using a lot of uh, public transportation in LA, and it's actually not as bad as thought I was, but it's the first time you see, because in New York City, we were having this conversation, you could have mayor of New York City riding subway next to someone really poor, but like they share the same kind of transportation, you know? You could see some pretty wealthy people on the subway, train. Subway, yeah. yeah. There's absolutely huge disconnect in LA because a lot of rich people ride cars or have somebody drive them to places. And you see a lot of brown people, you know, 
doing all kinds of service business to support the rich people. So it's um, just huge disconnect. And I don't think rich people necessarily think about the plight of the poor. You know, there's all this fight about if we should increase tax, lower tax. You know, people who say lower tax, I don't think they're necessary evil people. They just look like one. <laughs> but, you know, the whole Philip Curve and supply side economics, blah, blah, blah. And you have the Keynesian people and you, you, you have... Um, What's that brother on uh, New York Times? Anyway, they, they talk about higher taxes and things like that. But I don't think the plight of the poor people really change until the rich people actually have a sympathy for the poor. You well, know, the percentage of tax you pay, whatever, but the attitude. But I don't even think the percentage of tax matters, whether it's high taxes or low mm-hmm. taxes, depending on where those taxes are allocated and how that money is spent. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can hire taxes all you want. And if you're putting that money back into a broken system, it doesn't matter. Right, you can't just throw money at things. That doesn't make the problem go away. No, but once again, when I travel overseas, it does make me think twice. Like because I don't pay tax in Scandinavian countries, but it, and I I would hate because when they tell me how much they, tax they pay, like you know my head starts spinning. You know? <laughs> but, and what is that percentage? Is it 40? It's, it's very strange. Like, if you live in a city, you pay less. I don't know. It was like every time I meet somebody working in Stockholm, they, they, they tell me how much they pay tax and whatnot. But whatever it is, it's considerably higher than here. But having said that, social elves, they don't, they don't unless they're, they're acting like Asian, hiding all the problems. <laughs> I, I thought they were dealing with it, you know. So... That the greedy side, like, yeah, you want to keep all the money as you can, but there's other side, like, you can't help, like, Jesus Christ, but now, don't th- you, these people but, are living like like animals. But don't you think that those countries have a better grip on this? Is what I'm talking about about feeding feeding a broken system. Well, one, one for one thing, every, everyone is white. Problems. Everyone is white in Sweden, <laughs> so you maybe it's easier to be sympathetic to everyone, but maybe maybe race is a factor that oh, why you know like this person to fuck that X group of people whatnot you know but I just feel like race is such an easy way to be dismissive of people and I think mm-hmm. it's very uncreative you know and that's why I don't like racism it's like you know we should hate people who are rude or or mean or idiots and group them all together regardless of race sex or gender I think it's just so easy to group people in that way and it's very unimaginative yeah I mean I say some god awful racial stuff on on stage and off stage, but I don't say it with with malice. And I like saying stuff like that to make white people uncomfortable, but because <laughs> they're mostly guilty. Um, <laughs> but I, I I don't know. I mean, my mood changed day to day. You know, because let's say if I had an encounter with X minority, whatever it is, they'd be rude to me. And when I see them in the poverty, like, well, fuck them. You know, because <laughs> because I'm annoyed at the moment, but it's not a really good way to have a policy, you know. Um, it, it, it is one of the ironies. Like, we have the greatest innovation. We have so much innovation, amazing companies in this country. We have so much wealth. But people live... I mean, when you hear, like, a child poverty, you know, like, okay, the parents are shitheads. Why punish the kids? Like I remember when two thousand eight, watching sixty minutes. There's so many homeless kids in my, Florida. You know, holy fuck! I mean, that that seemed like vindictive. You know, because that's gonna affect them for the rest of their life. Maybe they will they will have a less inclined to want to go to college or something. That's that's not very helpful for overall economy. 
to punish people like that. Well, what I don't understand. I don't have a solution, Rosie. By the way, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm living in Randy Puga's place, for God's sake. You know. Shout uh, out to Randy uh, in New Orleans, right? Now. I mean, you know, I, I've done a lot of. When I had job and when I was being very helpful to my friends and stuff, they're, they're returning favor back. But I, I'm in such a really weird spot. Um, without people's help, I, I would have been fucked too. But I do think about these things a lot, and I I'm very conflicted. I don't I don't think. I don't think people who are against minimum wage or this policy that liberal people want, I don't necessarily think they're evil. It's just like sometimes decent people don't agree with the solution. You know, I really don't know. And I've been reading a lot about foreign aid. You know, like Vice had this interesting thing about Haiti last Friday. And this poor billions and billions of dollars in Haiti. And by the time the money gets there, the very people you're trying to help, they get very little of it. You know, it's almost like a money scheme. Um, con- Where does the money go? Contractors? Con- contractors, but they they will end up building like soccer field. Like, why the fuck do they need soccer field? They need homes with running water and you know sanitation. Why the fuck do they need a soccer field? But you know, it's it's um there's a lot of loophole. Disaster is opportunity for two people to make money. It's not opportunity to make the situation better quite often. So maybe I was naive trying to go to Afghanistan, trying to raise money for this institution because maybe. Maybe very little money of it will reach, 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 uh, reach the, trying to help the people that you're trying to help. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. Because Milton Freeman, you know, Professor Freeman, who won um, Nobel Prize in economics, he talks about how Hong Kong is his ideal place where very little regulation and people are able to turn around and go from poverty into wealth, you know, and uh, it, it worked for the Chinese. But what do you do with the group, other groups of people that, that needs help, you know? I mean, you're just not going to help them? I have no idea. Resource is limited. We, ha- we have to make a wiser decision how to use them, but... Um, Why did you want to bring up Osaka? You said you wanted to bring up some things with, that had to do with Osaka. Oh, um, I, I kind of want to start talking about my hometown. And... Um, I thought that was kind of really interesting. Did you? Did, when did you realize that it was a bad area when you moved out outside of it? Because I'm sure as like a little kid, you were just thought it was. Normal. I didn't. I, it's just, just like it's a common thing that you hear. Like poor kids, they didn't realize they're poor. If the parents went out there to make sure they do their best, they don't know that they're poor. I I didn't realize how bad it is until, you know, our good friend Stan Chan, we <laughs> Stan and I we went to a restaurant like two three years ago, Japanese restaurant, and we were talking and she. She found out I'm from Osaka, and she said, "Oh, I'm from Osaka too. What part?" And I told my neighbor. Like, her response was, "Oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's really dangerous." But funny thing is, my place wasn't not even like the most dangerous place. You know, it was just like probably a third or fourth, I think. Um, but if you're from there, you just don't know any better. But, but I think that's kind of like growing up in a dysfunctional family, and you don't really realize that your family is dysfunctional until you meet other people's families. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, oh, your dad doesn't kick your mother's face in. Like, <laughs> we call that Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, funny because this is the poorest I've ever been. But last three years, it's um, I had a lot of free. Obviously, I had a lot of free time and think about stuff that happened past. You know. And um, I guess in that respect, I'm healthier, I guess. And like like studying other people with problems kind of makes you think about your own problems too, you know, like, 
Holy shit, I'm doing the same thing as that person. I don't want I don't want to say it publicly. <laughs> you can tell me after the podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so in that respect, I'm 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 mentally I think I'm mentally in a better place. There's people that I hate, but but it, it does make me think like, ugh, I need to change. And I'm 45 years old. But that's a good thing because I think a lot of people just go to the day-to-day grind. They're in the nine-to-five. They're working mm-hmm. or doing whatever, especially if they have kids and they're married. They're just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over and again, trying just to pay the bills. And they're not taking time to reflect on their lives and what's going on with them. And so, therefore, they're stuck in that rut. And that's what creates the rut is that they don't take time to contemplate those things. Yeah. And I, I think you and your um, husband, Andrew, you guys do a pretty good balancing act because – you guys are not silly enough. Like, yes, you need to work, but you have to balance it with doing stuff that you want to do. Well, I mean, why went here? You're 65 to travel and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're assuming you're going to be here 65. We don't. You just don't know. And like, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah, need. You could die tomorrow. Yeah, you you need. You don't want to be paranoid like me, where you go crazy <laughs> and travel as much as I did last last 12 years. But at the same time, you, you kind of have to have that balance, you know. And well, I, that's what I don't like about us living so long as people you know back in the day you live i mean sorry yoshi you'd be dead you know we lived until we were 40 and i think that death actually is a great teacher because what happens when people in your life die you appreciate life more you're more grateful and it's more there's a fear of um not going on forever you know now people are living till 90 100 this and that i think a lot of people take things more for granted yeah and i i think very self-serving when you have funeral you're not sad because you're basically sad about your mortality. That's what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, and I've said that many times that people, you're not sad about the person dying. They're dead. They can't feel anything. Yeah. Right? And, you're, you're, it's a reflection of your own life and you're sad because they're not there for you anymore. Yeah. And, and it just make you realize you're, 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 you know that, um, you know, you, you go carnival and they, they have this one of this coin machine game where um, inside of the glass box, there's all these coins Oh, and you, they they get pushed and pushed and pushed. Yeah, so you put you, so you put a put, you 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 move that thing lever where you put a quarter, and if it hits the right spot, you get all the coins. Uh, because you place a new coin, that thing pushing away in. Um, I'm not doing a really good job, but like if you put it in a strategic place, it will force that that thing to push more coins down. Well, think of it like the new coins are like a new new groups of young fellows coming after you, like. There come a day some young coins can push your old coin ass, <laughs> right? Every day, you're getting closer every day. I mean, seriously, that, 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 that's what it comes down to, you know? And when I used to work for my uncle, he, he used to be a attorney in Lakewood, Washington. And it's such an unpleasant job because every day you see people. They're there because they have problems. What type of attorney are you? No, he didn't like real estate commercial, but um, you know, his wife is um, Korean, my aunt so he's dealing with a lot of Korean clients in Lakewood slash Tacoma Washington area you know but um, and I just listen to these people talk sometime like holy fuck you're getting divorced but at one point didn't you like each other (laughs) right it's it's crazy like I, I think you your marriage successful Stan Chin's marriage successful my friend Tom's marriage is successful um, but I, I think that's really tough it's a hard work I think that's my impression it's it's not it's not you know you it's not chocolate you were about to say fun 
it's 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 i mean i'm sure there's there's times it's it's uh meaningful and and psychologically satisfying but it's it seemed like it's a lot of work and i and i just don't give a fuck about that stuff you know and, <laughs> but it does make me sad when i see them like especially my friends with kids like when it turned out to be great you know like wow you know you you suffer a lot you toss aside you put your dreams and aspirations aside for your family and it worked out in that respect when you see them graduate from high school it must be satisfying like wow you know like that's great i can't be momentarily envious of that you know but i'm just not willing to do that i just i'm just not that person so but why all the sacrifices why can't everyone have what they want that's what i don't understand i don't is, is is it possible? I think it is, and I I just think you have to marry the right type of person that isn't so selfish, that you know it's their dream or nothing. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a way for everyone to have their dream. I don't think it's. I, I think it's very difficult, and, and it's obviously I I've seen enough people that it works out, but I think I'm definitely one of those people who are the problem in that situation, which is <laughs> too selfish, you know. Yeah, <laughs> too selfish. <laughs> yeah, this 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 episode was just all over the place. Um, and what was the last thing you want to talk about? That the the the, the, the Na- I showed the Native American oh, stuff yeah. in Netflix. I just want to know what your opinion of it. You explain to people who are listening because they may, they okay. might not know what so Netflix is. <laughs> Netflix is a subscription service. And of, a, of uh, online entertainment of online content they mm-hmm. buy films and movies and, and original content as well original content as well kind of like Amazon Prime or um, other HBO now Go is that similar no HBO Go you just stream HBO stuff right HBO Go is it's it's a service that provided for ordinary people who have a cable subscription okay. but I think later this year they're going to have one like very similar Netflix it's called HBO Now and every content's available like 15 bucks a month monthly service Amazing. So they um, hired Adam Sandler to produce three feature films, mm-hmm. original feature films for their production. Yeah. And I guess he is was working on a production called the, um, what was it? The, it's a it's a it is a spoof of Magnificent Seven, but I can't remember the name of the f- film. Yeah. Um, and I guess there is some some were, there were some Native American actors that they hired. Sure. And they were Apache Indian, and they were promised that they were going to be. You know that there was going to be some hu- sure. humor and making fun of them, but that they're they're going to be very authentic. And they hired a cultural coordinator yeah. who was an Apache Indian expert, and then they ended up dressing them in a, Comanche say, Comanche um, outfits. And the cultural coordinator confronted the producers and said, hey, "I don't know the detail. I don't know which Native Americans, but yeah, I could I could see that." Uh, confronted. Them. I could see how people in Hollywood <laughs> being a little insensitive. Confronted them and uh, confronted the producers and said, "Hey, this is Comanche stuff. This is not Apache stuff." Yeah, and um several other extras and other Apache Indians who were extras confronted their producers and they said, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. And so I think over 12 actors walked off the set. Sure. And, uh, and, and um, there's a hashtag going on Twitter called Not Your Hollywood Indian and they're basically saying, you know, that nothing has changed over the course of, you know, dozens of years that sure. there's still extreme racism um, embodied in the Hollywood system, you know Adam Sandler and the Netflix side is saying, "Hey, it's just a comedy. You know, no big deal. It's not a big deal." Yeah. Yet some people are saying, "Hey, it is a big deal because you're part of the media and you're perpetuating these degrading and demeaning stereotypes." I met Adam Sandler once. Um, I got like table read one time, and uh, they want me to play, play a degenerate Asian gambler, which sounds <laughs> sounds, sounds very redundant, but. 
Um, I, I'm not highly sensitive, and because of my unusual background, I don't, I don't feel that's um, well, sensitive, I guess, about it. But I could see why other people feel that way. But I don't think Adam Sandler is a malicious guy, and I don't think he's deliberately trying to hurt people's feelings. And it is comedy. And I think um, you know some people might not like his movies, but last 10 years or so, it just seems like he's making movies for his kids. So, <laughs> so you know, this is not like... Academy award-winning level stuff here. Uh, having said that, uh, they have every right to walk out of there because if it's too offensive to their culture and stuff, you know. And I don't, I don't know what to say. You know, it's it, it, on one hand, why the Jewish people ended up in Hollywood because they've been so uh, prevented from entering other business and this whole opportunity in, in movie and accounting and garment and business and like that. And I think. Do you know why? The, sorry, as a side note, do you know the history of why Jewish people are mostly bankers? Because loaning uh, usury was considered sin, and, and considered dirty. Dirty. <laughs> well, if you go Jap- if you go to real Japanese restaurant, when you pay something cash, they give you a change back. They always bring back in a plastic container to give you because handing something f- dirty from one hand to another is an insult. So they give you know money's you know and. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's medieval time too. It's it's um, Jews are not allowed to have land, so they live in the city. They can they cannot be a farmer, and uh, loaning money and usury was one of the few career open to them. Um, it's it's not a dishonorable profession. It it's important, and we benefit from a lot of the high living standard because the business and notion of corporation. You know, they they they, they provided tremendously. I mean, look at Franco Russia. Uh, uh, was it was it Franco-Prussian War? It's eighteen seventy and seventy-one. Rothschild, obviously Jewish, they provided the finance for uh, Audubon Bismarck. You know, so finances is important. <laughs> what I don't understand, what I don't like is when people don't know the. But stigma is there. What What I don't like is when people don't know the history of these things because I I know a lot of those filthy Jews. They're they're <laughs> they're money whatever. But because you make them do it, Christian no. Christian that was sinful. But they still made money by loaning money to Jews to turn around and, and have these uh, loaning game, you know? But, I mean, they, they do that, too. I hear a lot of black comedians, oh, these Jewish, um, these rich Jewish kids pretending to be ghetto. Hey, the word ghetto is a Jewish, is a Hebrew word. The Jewish ghettos, that's where it came from, comes from. So a lot of times people don't know their history and they're making fun of certain things. And I'm like, that were, I mean, if I remember right, it, it started by um, rulers in Italy where... They kept the Jews in certain areas of yeah, the city. Yeah, the word ghetto uh, yeah. comes from Jewish. So, I so heard, Jews were like the, the recipient of that the, the yeah, terrible so conditions. Yeah, so I hear yeah. black people saying, oh, uh, Jewish people don't know about the ghetto. Like, that's where the word ghetto came from. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, early on, the way they presented Jew, Jewish people, I'm sure Jewish people are sensitive to that. Now in, they're in position of power in Hollywood. Maybe they forgot what it is to be marginalized and treated that way. And who's more been marginalized Native American, honestly, you know? That's the only issue I have with it is, I, uh, you know, I understand. I, I've heard every single... I don't know the detail, but... I know I've heard every single Asian joke in the book, and I'm not offended by racial humor, and I have racial humor in my act. So I'm not offended by the jokes. Plus, I, you don't want to give them too much credit. <laughs> like, they got me, you know? What, what I don't like is that, mm-hmm. um, you know... 
I do think it's a low blow. Like you said, Native Americans have been marginalized quite a bit. And so I see what they're saying. They're saying, hey, this is, you know, maybe it's not an Oscar nominated sure. film, but you're creating something. You're Adam Sandler, your big name. You're creating <clears throat> something for the media, which becomes part of the media system. And let's try not to have it be completely offensive. Right. Or maybe inversely, if they would have done a comedy where Native Americans always pulling funny shit on the white people, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe because... You know, until, like, Indian Affair was created by President Nixon, I mean, things were really bad for Native Americans, you know? Like, they have, uh, like, obesity and poverty and alcoholism and level of high school graduation is, is still bad, unless you just happen to have a very successful casino in your reservation or something like that. But, I mean, they've gone through a lot, you know? And um, why add insult? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if I saw the script, maybe it is minor. It's not a big deal. You know, it's not like I'm the most sensitive person. But um, if they're complaining that much, I don't know. Why don't maybe there should be a pause and maybe hear what they have to say. I mean, if we learn anything from that whole Sony Studios hacking, that there are certain people in the position of power have added to a certain racial group. That's so clear. You could never pr- uh, prove it. Even Chris Rock, week or two weeks before, compl- you know, uh, complained about Hollywood, and sure enough, people in a position of power in that uh, Sony were saying all kinds of racial shit. Remember, they were saying like, "Oh, I wonder what's Obama's favorite movie," and all this like, "Oh, Planet of the Apes" or the the slave movie by Tarantino. I forgot the name <laughs> of it, but oh, Django. Yeah, it's stuff like that, and uh, I'm conflicted because there should be privacy and they should have presented in publicly, but but at the same time. It kind of proves what the, a lot of minority feels like what's going on in Hollywood. Like, you know, I get tired of like, oh, you're Asian. It's going to be easy to make a stand up. Like, <laughs> I think you've been a little optimistic. <laughs> they still want white people on. They they still want young, white, beautiful white people on the, you know. <laughs> Take it easy. Don't. I don't want to hear you saying it's easy to be Asian. Like, I think a lot of disgruntled white male comics say that. Oh, it should be easy for you. You're a woman. Oh, it should be easy. You're a minority. It's like, nah, not really. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I'm sure there's certain circumstance, but still, vast majority of people you see it on TV and movies are white. Like Friends, like they're in New York City. Like, Jesus, it looks like if you watch it, they look in Minneapolis. Like there's now black people in New York City. That's what bugged me about the new Beverly Hills 90210. And I'm not a, I don't watch the show, but... Come on, there's not one Persian girl. It's it's Beverly Hills. Yeah. There's no Persians. The whole cast was white. I think I don't even know if there was a black person, but the whole cast is white. First of all, the cast should be half Persian. <laughs> yeah. And then a couple Asian chicks in there at least. It's Beverly Hills. <laughs> so I don't want to jump and said it's based on racism because you can only talk about things you know. So if most of the writers are white or Jewish, they want to talk about something that they actually know. And when they try to help Margaret Cho with her ill fated sitcom she's very talented but it for me like my head starts spinning like i can't watch this because why does a korean household have a diff these non-korean actor except margaret and what's with all the chinese furniture you know <laughs> I'm, I'm being overly critical but like but, there's, uh, 
mm-hmm. but also it's it's i i also think that you know they're and i talked about this with another episode with you i think you know even though you're saying they can only write about what they know i also think they're kind of idiots because if you look at the population of the entire world you know the majority of people are not white the majority is what chinese and then indian yeah and so don't you they're saying right now that they want to expand into the chinese market because of all the money that you know now that china's moving in more people moving into the middle class well then throw some asian actors in there you know they did did this thing where what is the average face of what the whole planet looks like if you take the what's the majority right so they they did this (laughs) they did this you know how they did like sometimes there's a missing kid like whoa what this person will look like 20 years down the road yeah yeah (laughs) and they did this thing where based on the majority of people on planet what's the average looking face you know how you they take like or they make you if if me and yoshi had a baby this is what it would look like yeah like (laughs) if this school have three thousand uh kids and and 1600 is male what is the average person look like based on the height and whatever well when they did they actually did this thing like 2010 or something it was like a chinese person it looks like it looks like between if you combine your brother and me together (laughs) so but I i think only thing, only time Hollywood's gonna change. It's it's not because they they're trying to do something right. It's because it has something to do with money. And that's why I'm saying they're kind of stupid because you keep showing all these white people. There, well, there's not that many white faces. That, like you said, the majority of people are Asian or Indian or whatever. Don't you want to collect those dollars? Because there's studies that show that people want to see people that look like them. Roger, you mean UN? <laughs> oh yeah um yeah so like transform last transformer you know there was a huge battle scene in the guangzhou or hong kong whatever it was like yeah that's that's smart that's a smart play because that movie is popular nothing against michael bay because i think he's brilliant what he what he does but i mean you know it's just a lot of destruction and a lot of like explosions uh, yeah <laughs> but hey chinese people come and look at this movie we're destroying your city you know <laughs> So, so I think I think money is what's going to change it. I think like that stupid Red Dawn Part Two that they remake. I didn't see it. It's it was just so ridiculous. They changed from Chinese invading America to North Korea. How the fuck North Korea invade America? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you compare the average height of North Korea and South Korea, it's like six and a half inches or something like that. There's malnutrition. How the hell are they going to invade America? <laughs> 6,000 miles away but they change because they're afraid of offending China, uh, right? Chinese yeah even the Unbroken movie about um, you know World War Two, Angelina Jolie made in the movie but the protagonist from Torrance Time well, I, I went to the same house I, fuck I, I met that guy but uh, they were worried how the Japanese uh, moviegoers gonna see that movie you know because the Japanese are portrayed like a terrible terrible people and they were in world war ii <laughs> and and chinese love that movie like they couldn't get enough of that. like oh they love when when they present japanese in like an evil light they loved it but you know so th- these are the things that you 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 have to deal with um hollywood but you know overseas markets is so important that's why uh fury seven was such a success you have everyone on the show david had an asian guy but he died in this thing <laughs> <laughs> he died in it but you know what i mean like the the the, the demographic over a billion right oh yeah it's the fastest movie to hit billion dollar mark 
Yeah. Uh, there's going to be eight. And they're saying because of the multicultural cast. So I think Hollywood needs to wake up. I mean, I, I don't. Do you like money, Hollywood? Then change. <laughs> I don't dislike white people. Obviously, my husband's white. But it just doesn't make sense when you see, you know, like I said, Beverly Hills 90210. The entire cast is white. Yeah. When the actual demographic of Beverly Hills, it doesn't look like that. Or like you said, Friends. They're in Manhattan. Where's the black person? You know, Aisha Tyler was in for a couple episodes, but that's it. Sure. And like uh, Eddie Wan, our good friend. Did you ever meet Eddie? Great guy. Wonderful. And, um, you know, um, fresh off the boat, his, his serious advice. And I saw him South by Southwest two years ago. And for me, he's brilliant. You know, he went to law school and everything. But he, to me, he, he was like the poor man's opera because <laughs> he's able to talk to corporate type. CEO and business type, you know what I mean? He, he's able to speak that language because he's a smart guy, went to law school, but he's an open in the sense that he could talk to people who are lower class and pe- you know, people in that background, hip hop, and he's very, very comfortable. And he was saying that he was frustrated with his, his, his show on ABC be, because... They're whitewashing it? Yeah, basically, it's, it's, it's telling the white story with the yellow faces, basically, you know? But um, only thing I could say is I don't fault guys like Dr. Ken because if they're only giving that kind of role what are you supposed to do as an actor you have to take something hopefully once you get in a position of power you could change that by producing or creating a TV or movie that is positive for that you know, whichever particular ethnic group you're in. And but look what happened to Arsenio Hall the first the first time he had the show. Mm-hmm. Remember, didn't he want to question... He had the number one show and he wanted to interview... What was that guy? Um... Are we talking the first time he did the it, like a 20 years it. ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember this now. So, yeah, that w- they were saying that was the reason that he lost the show. So, uh, I got to look it up because I don't want to give the wrong facts. But he he had the number one the number one late night show right at the time. Yeah. And he wanted to interview someone who, I can't remember who it was, but it, it was an enemy of Israel. So, anti-Jewish. I see. And the producer said, if you do this, we will cancel your show. And he was like, you can't cancel me. I never heard this before. The Ar- Arsenio Hall show. Yeah. And then he had the guests on the show, and the next day his show was canceled. So there's definitely an establishment. <laughs> well, that's another topic. It's really weird, you know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a close friend, but I do. I, I think I am a friend, and I think Joe Rogan considered me as a friend. And until I met Joe, whenever people talk about conspiracy, I thought, oh god, this fucking nuts, you know? Because, <laughs> like. They're all my friends from Washington State. Like, oh, I can't keep a job because something, something, something Jew or something, you know, uh, what is that? What's the uh, Illuminati? Yeah. Or <laughs> what is a word that they use with Jews with the start with Z? Zionism and stuff oh, like Z- that. Z- yeah. Zionism. Like, fuck, just pass me the ketchup. I don't want to hear this shit. <laughs> you know, like, but um, I don't. I don't want to blame anyone for my failures. It's 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 all of my making. You know, I'm very comfortable with that. But. Here's the thing. I do think that there. I, I think if you don't believe in conspiracy theories, then you're a bit silly because there's been proven conspiracies in the U.S. No, no, I'm, government. I'm, I I don't. I just don't want to make religion out of it. No, no, no. I I'm not. I'm not saying anything about that. But I I don't think. I I do believe there's some conspiracy theory out there that may be true, but I can't control that. Yeah. So I'd rather focus on what I can control. Right. Yeah. I uh, I have no response to that. That's that. I mean, I, I mean, you, you are doing that, you know. And um, I've known you what twelve years, 
Like you're one of those weirdos. You actually follow rules, and you did right. You know, you're fiscally responsible, and you could have gotten stupid stuff, but you didn't. So here you are, and no matter what happened, I, I just think I don't know how much your parents should get credit, but you're smart enough to know that you know how to balance things, like having a responsibility and good life. You know,、um, so you're going to be fine. You're not going to. You don't live in a riot, <laughs> riot,、uh, riot proof. <laughs> yeah, area.、Um, Yeah, so yeah, I hope everything works on in、uh, Baltimore. I'm 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 very cynical, you know. Like whenever people are sad about riots and genocide and Holocaust and things like that, <laughs> okay. My reaction is like, I can't believe there more of it doesn't happen. Seriously. Um. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, I guess we'll talk. I kind of like this. Maybe you could you could do this like once a week or every other week because it's it's easier for me to get someone and like you're easy to deal with Rosie and everything. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I'll be honest, most people rather want to hear you or Aiko on the show than me. I'm just being honest right here. So、um, we'll see. So if if you're listening to this and you like Rosie, if you have a question for her or、um, if there's any specific subject, I like to talk to more about my hometown and my、uh, Japan. And I think it might be good opportunity for Rosie to read up in Japan and things like that. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know we we're going to have podcasts because when I asked you yesterday, sounded like you were going to be busy. So I'm, I'm, this is a very pleasant surprise, and actually glad it happened today. So well,、um, check out my podcast, Out of the Box Podcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And、uh, yeah, send Yoshi an email and tell yeah, dumbyoshi at gmail dot com. Tell、Just、him、like, uh, what you guys want to hear. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening.、Um, I'm going. Only thing, only announcement I have is at the、uh, end of May, Phoenix Comic Con, I'll be doing three shows.、Um, Edwin Samuel will be there. We have、uh, shows at two different facilities. I don't know the name of the places yet, and、I'm, we're also doing panel with Chris Gore in、uh, Phoenix Comic Con. So we'll be in Phoenix.、Um, let me know if you have a question or complaints. <laughs>、um, Yeah. So thanks for listening and support Rosie, and、uh, hopefully we do this again with Rosie because, yeah, it's it's easier. She does all the hard work. So, <laughs> okay, all right, guys. Thanks.、Bye.